The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. This is such a special show today because for the first time ever, I'm actually doing this show from the studio at Unity Village, Missouri. Now, you know that this is a Unity Partner Program, and Unity is this fabulous organization headquartered at one of the most beautiful places on earth, I would say. It's near Kansas City, and I have been here this week. My mother-in-law is going into a nursing home, and that is just a difficult, difficult thing. She's actually taking it very well. Her attitude is, is just lovely. But we've been packing up, literally, her life. And the stuff that's important is not the stuff. We've been packing up mostly family pictures. She wants pictures of her grandchildren, pictures that have some kind of meaning. And as I've been thinking about Betty, that's my mother-in-law this week, and about life in general, I was just walking down a hallway here at Unity Village and saw written in the handwriting of the founder of Unity, a gentleman named Charles Fillmore, He lived back in the 1800s, lived a very long time. He died in his 90s in 1947. But when he was 94, I believe, he wrote this affirmation. It said, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm as I spring forth with a mighty faith to do the things that ought to be done by me. Whoa. And as I think about Betty and I think about life and I think about how much time we tend to put into stuff that 
what really matters is that zeal and enthusiasm for doing the things that ought to be done by us. And it's so much fun today that there are a couple of people that I want to introduce you to, in addition to our official guests, who are mentors of mine who have really, really shown me that doing what I'm supposed to be doing is very important. One is a beautiful woman who is just outside my window here at the studio. Her name is Luann Stahl. I have known Luann since I was just a wee sprout of 22. Luann is so brilliant and so spiritual, and she wrote one of my favorite books of all time, It's called A Most Surprising Song. That book was actually published by Unity Books, Small World, huh? And it's about mysticism. It's about the mystic vision, how some people have an experience that shows them beyond any shadow of a doubt that we really are connected to all life. And that regardless of how things look, there really is a plan and that somehow at some level that we usually can't understand, things are unfolding as they should. So if you can get hold of a most surprising song at a library or used on Amazon, do that. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And joining me for a little cameo phone conversation in our first few minutes here is one of the most popular guests who has ever appeared on this program, one of the most prolific writers of our generation, and that is Rory Friedman. And you know, it's interesting that I was talking about spiritual spiritual experiences, because Rory not only is the co-author of the mega-hit Skinny Bitch series, but she's also a very spiritual lady. She's had some spiritual experiences of her own, and she's joining us today for just a couple of minutes. I promise we'll bring her back for for a, a real interview sometime pretty quick, but I wanted to have her on today because this is a very special day. Her brand new book, Beg. A Radical New Way of Regarding Animals is hot off the presses, and if I were home in New York City this evening, I would certainly be at the Tribeca Barnes & Noble, where Rory is going to be reading from and speaking about her fabulous new book. Rory, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure any time and every time. Tell us about Beg. I'm so excited about Beg. This book has really had its own life, and just as you were saying before, how everything is connected and there really is a a greater plan that we are privy to and we don't always get to see, and I really feel that way with Beg. It started out as a small book. It was going to be a small little e-book about dogs, and then what I really wanted to write was a big book that would teach everybody about animals and how to be a better animal lover, and I just didn't think I had it in me to write that big book at that time. So I was going to write this tiny little book about dogs, and then lo and behold, it wound up becoming the book that I wanted to write that I didn't think I had enough mighty force or sizzle in me to write. Well, you certainly do. I was fortunate enough to get to read a a pre-publication copy. Oh, my goodness. There's so much soul in this and so much understanding of animals. Now, I notice your publisher has written something really insightful. Sometimes publishers miss things, but they're really right on here. They talk about Beg as a call to arms to all animal lovers. So many of us call ourselves animal lovers, it says, and worship our dogs and cats. But we could be using that love as a force for helping all 
animals. How do we do that? It's true. You know, it's easy to love our cats and dogs. These are the animals we live with, we see every day, we interact with them, we know their personalities, and we have tremendous love and compassion and tenderness for them. But what many of us as animal lovers don't know is that the decisions we're making in our everyday lives affect many other animals that we don't live with, that we don't know face-to-face or personally, but we're actually making crucial decisions that are affecting them in really negative ways. And there, these are things that we can actually do something about, so it's not a helpless and terrible situation. It's, we can actually become better animal lovers all around. Aww. And I think when we do that, we love ourselves more, we love other people more. It's true, you know, going down this path of being an animal lover and becoming a better animal lover, and the path for me started nearly 20 years ago, but it's definitely changed who I am. It's it's certainly made me more compassionate to people. It's made me a softer and gentler person in many ways, and it's opened the door for me to have more access to God, which I'm receiving a lot of lately, and I'm really just so thankful to be on this spiritual journey and to have animals be a part of it and to have God be a part of it. Oh, that's so beautiful. And we all know what dog spelled backwards is. <laughs> yes, we do. As I look at the cover of your book, and you know, you said earlier that you wanted to write a big book, but I don't want anybody to be scared. I know we're all busy these days. This is actually a sweet little squarish, not at all overwhelming book. This is the kind of book you can put in your purse if you're not reading it as an ebook <laughs> and and it's, really it's a cute size. it's yeah. very cute and it has a beautiful beautiful dog face on the front you know you look in those eyes and you really do see something divine it's true and it's so easy to see that in our dogs and cats but i've met cows chickens and pigs and they have it too and it's an interesting thing that our society and that our culture and that the collective consciousness has sort of tried to implant in our brains is that these animals are stupid or that God put them here for us to eat them or to wear them or to use as we see fit. But really and truly, when you meet a cow or when you meet a pig or when you meet a chicken, the farthest thing from your mind is slitting its throat and eating its flesh. It's sort of strange that we've gotten so far away from mercy when really that's what God has implanted in each of our hearts, this divine divine Adam in all of our hearts, and we've sort of fallen away, many of us. I love the idea of mercy as a divine Adam in our hearts. Just in our last minute here, Rory, and then we will talk about uh, where you're going on tour and, and where you'll be tonight, but for people who are not going to become professional vegans, I feel like so many of the people I have on the show, you know, they're writing about it or they're working for a humane organization, but people who want to live this compassionate life and then have their regular life. Just give me a quick little kind of how does one do that in a day on the real world? I think it's easy, and it can seem daunting, especially if somebody is living a regular traditional American life, and then all of a sudden they think they have to go from there to veganism overnight. Of course, it's daunting. So the first thing I would say is you don't have to do that. You don't have to go from zero to 60 overnight. You can take things one day at a time, one task at a time, or one idea at a time. So you can try Meatless Mondays, just one day a week, uh, going animal-free, 
or you can try going online to one of the amazing nonprofits that are out there that are working on behalf of animals and just going on their websites and signing petitions that they have so that we can contact companies who are doing harmful things to animals and just add our voice and say, hey, we're not, we're not keen on this and we're not going to support your company or your product or your brand if you're going to continue to do this. They also have things online where we can contact our legislators and let them know that we want laws protecting animals. You know, the ag-gag bills that are cropping up in so many states in America are terrible for the animals, and so many nonprofit groups are opposed to these ag-gag bills, but the legislators are trying to slant them to make them seem like they're there to help animals. So as an animal lover, you just need to go online. We can go to PETA.org or HSUS.org or mercyforanimals.org and just sign one of their online petitions and make a difference. That's beautiful. So where are you going to be tonight, Ms. Rory Friedman? Tonight, May 1st, Wednesday, 6 p.m., Barnes & Noble in Tribeca with my great friends at Farm Sanctuary. They're going to be there also. And that's on Warren Street. Wonderful. Well, believe me, if I were in New York City, I would be there. So everybody listening who's up there in New York, get out tonight and see Rory and say hi to the Farm Sanctuary people as well. Rory, I love you to pieces. God bless you and bless your book. And everybody who's listening, just you can just click over to bn.com or amazon.com and get yourself a copy of Beg. It's doing yourself a favor and all the animals on Earth. Thanks, Rory. Thank you, Victoria. And everybody stay with us, and we'll be back with some fabulous guests coming up right here on Main Street Vegan Radio on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. 
empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Victoria Moran. I'm so happy to have you here today. The gentleman on the break said, follow me on Twitter, but I didn't hear him say my Twitter handle, so I'm going to say it for him. Victoria underscore Moran, M-O-R-A-N. That's easy. And if you are listening live today, May the 1st, oh, this is May Day. Happy May Day. The number to call in is 888-558-6489. It's just so cool to be here in the studio at Unity Village. I am looking at my wonderful engineer, Jeff Comfort, live and in person. Usually I see him on a Skype screen. Got to meet uh, Denise and Rachel and, and the people who are here at Unity Online Radio. And also one of my colleague hosts here at, at Unity, uh, Paulette Pike, very popular show on this station. And she said to me in her beautiful, beautiful British-ish accent, I'm nearly vegan. I've given up cheese. And we talked about that for a bit. And uh, Denise was, was saying, well, so, so is it ice cream that you're still eating? She's like, oh, no, no, I don't eat that. And Denise said, well, if you've given up cheese, what's left? And she had this wonderful look on her face. It's like, oh, my gosh, I really am vegan. Who knew? So sometimes it's just that easy. But speaking of ice cream and cheese and other wonderful foods that can indeed be vegan. My guest in this segment is David Benzequin. David is the founder and CEO of Plant-Based Solutions. That is a company specializing in the sales and marketing of vegan foods. So his clients include Chicago Vegan Foods, DF Maven's Fabulous Ice Cream, Treeline Cheese, Fabulous Cheese, The Veg, or The Veg, you can tell me how to pronounce that, which is a thing that is so much like an egg that if you've been vegan for 29 years like me, it is borderline scary, among others. And prior to founding Plant-Based Solutions, David led corporate, legislative, and grassroots campaigns for various nonprofit organizations, including Farm Sanctuary. Is this the day for small worlds? Things keep coming up and coming around about again. Hey, David, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, it's wonderful to think about people like you doing vegan business. Now, there was a time that that would have seemed like such an oxymoron, but what do, what does Plant-Based Solutions do? Thank you for asking. So Plant-Based Solutions was founded about a year ago 
And our work is really about helping to get delicious, healthful, and affordable vegan foods out to the public more easily. Now, there are a lot of ways to do that, and there are wonderful stores that are selling those products, and there are amazing food scientists and chefs that are making those foods. But what I realized was there's a, there's a little bit of a vacuum in performing the behind-the-scenes services of getting those foods into stores and getting customers to know about them. So our firm does sales and marketing to promote these wonderful foods into stores and restaurants around the country. And we also work with restaurants that don't yet have a lot of plant-based options to help them expand those offerings. And there's a need for that. I always know that more when I go out on the road than any other time. So I find it so exciting that many of these foods, now I know there are some vegan foods out there that are kind of an acquired taste, but so many of them are so good. They're either dead ringers for the animal foods that people miss, or they're just fabulous in in and of themselves. So if people taste them, they love them and they buy them again. But it seems that your job is to get people to know that they exist. Absolutely. And there are so many great products out there. And some of them have been around for a long time, and it's just about building awareness. And for some of them, they're brand new. One of the big differences that's happened in the last few years is that as more and more people are eating this way and adopting this wonderful way of living, there is more money and available to producers who want to make these foods but didn't think there was a way to do so affordably or enough people who would buy their products to make a living doing this. And now people are realizing that with so many vegans and vegetarians and with so many more people who are eating primarily a vegetarian diet, there's a real opportunity to make a living supporting the animals, our health, and the environment. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what my business is about. And we're able to get these foods out there and let people know about them because there are more of them coming around. Well, let's talk about some of the specific ones because they're just yummy and fun. So let's talk first about tree-lined cheese. Now, I tasted tree-lined cheese last summer at a farm sanctuary benefit in the Hamptons. That was so cool. I'd never been to the Hamptons, but I'd seen it on Sex in the City. And so... <laughs> I was there, but my greatest memory of the Hamptons is not all of the Mercedes. It was tree-lined cheese. My gosh, this stuff is good. What is it? What's it made out of, and when can people start buying it at their local stores? Sure. So tree-lined is an absolutely incredible product. It's very, very clean. The only ingredients are cashews, filtered water, and herbs and scallions. And so it's very natural. It's produced uh, locally to where I am here in New York State, in Kingston, New York. And it's available right now at stores in New York State, Massachusetts, and Illinois, among other places. And it can also be purchased online from Lagusta's Luscious um, and from Vegan Essentials' website. And that's veganessentials.com and Lagusta's Luscious' website. So it can be purchased by just about anyone in the country, and it's a very wonderful, clean product. It's a cashew cheese that is aged like a natural cheese with acidophilus. I forgot to mention that one ingredient. And uh, it's produced just like regular cheese, so it has that really sharp flavor of a real cheese, which makes it so wonderful. And, and that's the thing that was terrific about it. I mean, there are some great vegan cheeses out there now. I mean, I certainly put Daya cheese all over my husband's pizza and things like that. But for someone who at one time was a cheese connoisseur, at least I thought I was, to, to have that sharpness back <laughs> was just such a great experience. So that's, the, that's a yummy one. Okay, let's talk about the Veg or the Veg. How do we say it? Sure. So the product is called the Veg, V-E-G-G. And 
It's an incredible, incredible product made by a man named Rocky Shepherd in uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. And Rocky really wanted to make a difference for chickens. And he realized the best way he could do that was to produce a product that would replace the need for eggs in every way in flavor and texture. And so the veg is a mixture of several ingredients that, are, that can be found completely in nature. They're all natural. But a lot of us wouldn't know where to look for them because they're not things they necessarily have in our regular grocery store. And so with these natural ingredients, he has produced a powdery substance or a flaky substance that when blended with water makes the texture and taste of an egg yolk. And it's wonderful for heating up and dipping toast into it or putting into French toast or to eat as an egg on, you know, an egg yolk on your rice if you like. It's a really fantastic product and it's available online and it's also available in some stores. It's actually quite widely available in Europe and more every day in America as well. Well, my daughter actually put a package of it in my Christmas stocking this year, so I have experienced it. I actually used it first in tofu scramble, and then I um, made some French toast. Does it work for baking? Because that's a question I get a lot. Sure. So it is not intended as an egg replacement product for baking in, in particular, but there are there are ways in which you might want to use it for baking. So even though it won't necessarily do the leavening or the binding that some egg replacers would do, a lot of those ingre- a lot of those products miss the ability to bring in the flavor of eggs, and sometimes the eggy flavor gives a lot of richness to a baked item. I so see. if you're looking to make a, uh, my family would make a boil or a sweet bread of some kind or a challah or something, then the egg is a great product to bring, to bring that eggy richness. Terrific. And then finally, I, I don't want to spend our whole time together just talking about food, although, gosh, <laughs> what's better than food? We do love our food. Is the DF Mavens. Now, I, I must say that I have the honor of being on their advisory board, which uh, makes me feel really, really good. When I was asked, they said, all you really have to do is taste a lot of ice cream. I said, I believe I can <laughs> handle that. But tell us a little bit about DF Mavens. I know they've, they've got a real ice cream guy behind it. They do. Well, we, surely, we certainly appreciate having you on the advisory board. It means a lot to us to have your name there and your support. And the product is a full line of 100% vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free ice creams. They have 10 flavors, including two that have no sugar added. And so the founders of, the, of the Maven's Ice Cream were really looking for a way to bring their experience that they had over many, many years creating dairy ice creams with some of the world's largest companies into the dairy-free world. Um, they include, uh, they, they have their own reasons for doing this from, from pure diabetes and awareness of the importance of the vegan diet. And so they've realized that there are so many people like them who have, ri- who have limitations on the amount or the kinds of ice cream they can eat. And there weren't really the products out there that were satisfying their cravings. And so they produced this ice cream. It's made locally here again in New York State in Astoria, Queens. And the product is absolutely fantastic, very clean ingredients, and it has about half the fat and sugar as most of the ice creams out there, but with all that richness and taste. And they have varieties in soy and in coconut-based ice cream. Yum, yum. And the DF stands for dairy-free. I know sometimes when we're using initials, people don't know what initials we're saying, but DF as in dairy-free mavens. Yum, yum, That's yum, right. with summer coming and picnic time coming. So, David, you, it is. So you're in the midst of this vegan food world. What's changing? What are people looking for? What's coming up? Sure. So the big difference, as I mentioned briefly earlier, is that there are a huge number of people that are turning to these foods in greater numbers. 
And it's not just the folks who are choosing to go 100% vegan. Those who do so are doing a wonderful thing, and we certainly appreciate it. But almost as importantly, or just as importantly, are those folks who are leaning into it, as Kathy Preston would say, or as Rory would say, you know, who are taking those things one step at a time. Anybody who chooses to reduce the amount of meat, dairy, and eggs they're intaking is making a huge difference for their health, the animals, and the planet. And with these so-called flexitarians out there, there is an opportunity to really produce many more products that meet this growing market. And so one of the things that's happening is that more folks are going into the business of making wonderful foods. And the other thing that's really important and that makes it more possible for that to happen is that there are major investors, including some of the country's largest venture capital funds, who are seeing opportunities to invest in this world as they see this market growing and as they understand the impact that it would have on protecting the environment and health and everything else. And they're investing in these foods at astronomical rates. So there are some major restaurant chains and products that have gotten some serious money this year in the last two years from these companies. And that means there's more investment, more innovation, and more opportunity to provide delicious plant-based foods to consumers. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned restaurants. So that brings up, for anybody who's listening, who wants their local restaurants, who wants their local stores to carry these foods, and sometimes will say, gosh, you really need to start having this stuff. I mean, my most recent uh, venture into that was with um, the vegan vine, the wine. You and I were both at a dinner with the basketball player, John Sally, with with his his new wine company. And and I, I went into a couple of stores a couple were just, you know, really happy about it. And some others looked at me like, vegan. So what, what do people do when they want this stuff readily available? Sure. So you do the most important thing you can do, which is just ask. Many consumers are a little bit intimidated about taking that step. But what they don't realize is that the stores are relying on them to know what they really want. And they're, they're customers. They're the ones who are going to be spending money to keep their business around. They want their business to succeed. And so customers want something they want to please them. As somebody who's professionally going to restaurants and stores and asking them to carry these products, the number one thing I hear is how are consumers responding to it? And, you know, I've heard consumers asking for this. I really want it. So that's the greatest thing somebody can do is just ask for it. And if you have questions about any of these products or about how to get them into stores, you can certainly give our companies a call. You can give my company a call, and you can ask me about uh, the information you need to provide to the store. But even just asking makes a huge difference. So how do we find you, David? So you can find us at plantbasedsolutions.com, and we're also on Twitter at, at plantbasedS and on Facebook. And you can also call us anytime at 212-913-9695. Love that 212. It still has value. (laughs) David, bless your heart. Thank you so much for being with us today. Great, great success to you and all the terrific businesses that you work with. And I look forward to seeing you. I guess I'm seeing you this Saturday at Fashion Loves Animals in New York City. Big event for Farm Sanctuary and uh, honoring Leanne Hilgard of Vote Couture. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Take good care. Bye-bye. Take care. And everybody else, you hang with us through these announcements because we are going to bring you Betty Crocker for the 21st century, a charming couple who have redone Betty vegan for now. Stay with us.
Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. I told you that I'm out here in Kansas City, and I brought a gift for one of my friends here. This friend is not vegan or vegetarian, but she is a foodie. She is a home economist, and she's somebody who just really loves the kitchen. So the gift that I brought her is a copy of Betty Goes Vegan, written by my next guest, Annie Shannon, and her husband, Dan, who can't be with us because he missed his train. Betty Goes Vegan is such an exciting venture. This is Betty Crocker for the 21st century. There are over 500 incredible real American recipes in this book for vegans and the veg curious and people who just like comfort food and remember what grandma used to make, but they want to eat it without clogging their arteries. So welcome, Annie Shannon. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on. You know, as someone who writes books, when I look at a book, just the size of Betty Goes Vegan, I am in awe. How long did it take (laughs) you to produce this incredible work? You know, it took us three years. There was uh, two years of cooking through the Betty Crocker cookbook, and then there was another year of just testing and retesting and, you know, editing and all of that. Well, I know that it's inspired by the Betty Crocker cookbook, which, of course, I grew up on and, and lots of people my age did. But what's the deal with Betty Crocker? She never existed, but everybody knows who she was. 
or is. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people, when they find out Betty Crocker isn't real, it's sort of like you tell them Santa Claus isn't real, you know. But yeah, Betty Crocker was, uh, she was a gimmicking, a, a, you know, a, a marketing gimmick that was, you know, made by actually a bunch of men who were trying to think of what is, who would be the all-American woman who could help teach, you know, um, the American chefs out there how to use their new kitchens because it was the 1920s and people were, you know, transitioning from having wood-burning stoves to having electric kitchens. And so Gold Medal Flower came up with this, you know, mythical woman, Betty Crocker, who people could write letters to to, like, find out how, you know, how to use their new kitchen and how to, you know, also use gold metal products. That's fascinating. This is why I loved having you on the same day as David Benziquin, who's a vegan marketing expert, because all business is about marketing, whether it's Betty Crocker and White Flower from the 1920s or getting some of the vegan products out now. So a lot of people would say, ooh, Betty Crocker, that seems so anti-feminist. What do you say to that? You know, it's funny because it's actually the exact opposite. You know, um, Betty Crocker was a gimmick, yeah, to, like, help people, you know, help, you know, American homemakers. I'm doing little air quotes right now. (laughs) But the thing is, though, is that Betty Crocker also, you know, Betty Crocker kind of taught people how to do convenient cooking, which really helped a lot during, you know, World War II and, like, during, you know, the – the second wave of feminism that helps bring American women into the workforce. You know, they're here, these women who had husbands who had, you know, they weren't taking home ex, so they had no idea how to make dinner. So women still had those responsibilities of, you know, cooking all the meals for their families. But if they also wanted a career, they needed to figure out a way to do that in a fast and easy, convenient way. And Betty Crocker was there for them. Oh. So well, it's, it's kind of, it's irony, you know. <laughs> and and Annie and Dan Shannon are there for us now because one of the questions that I hear a lot when I speak about veganism, somebody always says, okay, it sounds like a great idea. I don't have time. How much time do you need? Yeah. You know, that's we get that a lot too. Um, Dan and I, we've both been involved in the animal rights movement for like over 20 years now. And, you know, whenever we would go out, we would hear the exact same things over and over again, which is that the food's weird. I don't, you know, I don't have time to make everything from scratch. And, you know, that's exactly what we wanted to do with this book, was we wanted to show people how to use all those new, exciting vegan products out there in new, exciting ways. And so they can make the classics from their childhood. You know, they can make food that they've heard of and they love, um, but make it in a more compassionate, cruelty-free way. And it's it's been wonderful though because I've, I've we actually get more emails from people who aren't vegan but they want to go vegan than we do from actual vegans saying that like this book has made it possible for them because now they you know they can go vegan and also be a single mother or like go to school and all of those things so it's it's been kind of wonderful for us to like see that happen. Well, and, and you've certainly filled a, a niche with this book because obviously a veganism is not a religion. You do not have to make everything from scratch. On the other hand, I know it's good to use fresh foods whenever you can. What's the balance that you have in your own kitchen and, and what do you recommend to people? You know, we try to um, start every day with a green smoothie and then I usually have some sort of raw salad for lunch. So it's like, it's, it's funny because, you know, two meals out of every day, we usually eat a raw meal, um, which, I mean, you can't get more whole foods than that. Um, but then for dinner, we do like to splurge. You know, we like to do our, you know, chili cheeseburgers. Like last night, we made a 
this sounds ridiculous, but we made mashed potato tacos. <laughs> you know, I mean, we got them off the, out of the, the new Betty Crocker book, so it wasn't my idea. But um, but it was actually amazing. We used tempeh to redo the taco meat, and we used mashed potatoes to make the tortilla shell, and it was actually really amazing. So, you know, it's it's funny because. You know, we, we do oftentimes at dinners get a little crazy with the Betty Crocker recipes. They, I mean, they are so much fun. But, you know, oftentimes you can find other ways to, like, if you have two meals out of the day, be incredibly healthy, you might as well have fun at night, right? Sounds good to me. So what are some of your favorite recipes in your book? You know, um, the other day we made Elvis smoothies, which are in the breakfast section, which are, you know, peanut butter, bananas, and uh, a little bit of chocolate and they were just I, every time we make them, it's like it's the best morning. Um, but also too, you know, like Dan really loves the chicken pot pie. Um, it's super easy. We make it with gardein, um, but most of like most of the dish is actually like peas and carrots and potatoes. And I have to say that like I think that's actually the part that we enjoy the most. Like I mean, it's, the gardein's really great and all, but it's like once you get that gravy in there and the peas and all that. I don't know. I have to say, I am quite fond of that recipe. Oh, chicken pot pie was always my favorite thing growing up. And I've made veggie pot pies. It's the crust that I find so intimidating. How do you do the crust? Well, you know, we actually use vegetable shortening for the crust. Um, but we've started using coconut oil. And it's it's one of those things where, like, you do have a slight coconut flavor to it. But I find that you get, it's flakier than the vegetable shortening. Um, and with pie crust, I find, too, it's, a lot of it is just patience. You know, you have to be willing to, like, you know, fold it and put it in the refrigerator and wait and fold it again. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is time-consuming. But I don't know. Once you figure out what pie crust you like, it's totally worth it. Uh-huh. Now, I remember from the Betty Crocker Jr. cookbook, isn't this ridiculous, the things that we remember for decades? I remember a tuna casserole with a potato chip crust. Must have had some sodium in it. So, <laughs> yeah. What can what can you do for somebody who's remembering a tuna casserole? Well, we have a tuna casserole that's in there, and we actually, rather than, because that recipe is actually in the book, too, um, instead of doing the potato chips, we use those French fried onions on top to get that same crunch. They have a little bit less sodium in them. Also, though, what we also recommend throughout the book is um, people use what's called better than bouillon, which is, it's like a, a vegetable broth, you know, it also comes with a, a vegan chicken or vegan beef flavor, but... Because, we, you know, there is so much mock meat that we use, and a lot of times that's flavored using salt, we recommend using that instead of regular, you know, broth, which is oftentimes just flavored salt. We also, too, recommend using Bragg's liquid amino acids oftentimes to flavor and, like, replace salt because, you know, it's a low-sodium soy sauce replacement, which is it's a little bit better for you, and it adds flavor without just, like, on salt. Mm. So, yeah, we've tried to address the salt issue, actually, <laughs> throughout the book. We were really conscious of that. And, like, there's often there's other recipes, too, like the tempeh tacos, where, you know, you look at it and you'll be like, there's a lot of spices that go into this. But the thing is, is that oftentimes with taco seasoning, rather than, you know, those packages are just flavored salt. And what we did is we tried to figure out what is it those packages are trying to, re- you know, recreate, and then we actually replaced it using those actual spices. So, 
you know, we, we did try to address that salt issue a bit, you know. Well, I love the idea of spices. There's something romantic about spices. I know that now we're, we're learning that they're just filled with antioxidants and that using spices like onion, garlic, turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, that that's a, a real health-promoting thing to do. But just to be able to work with them, just to be able to cook something that calls for tarragon or marjoram, I don't know, makes me feel like a real grown-up cook. What are your favorite spices? I totally agree. Um, you know, I'm always a sucker for the standard old cumin. I, I love cumin with, you know, adds a little bit of that fresh tartness to anything. Um, you know, another one that I'm, I'm quite fond of is just the Herbe de Provence um, sort of herb mixture. Mm. I mean, it has everything in it from, like, you know, oregano and rosemary to, like, lavender. And, like, I mean, we use that a lot of things. We put it on biscuits. We use it to season, you know, mock meat. We put it in stew sometimes and mashed potatoes, like, you name it. And I have to say, it's, it's kind of won me over. Well, that sounds delicious. You know, I don't know that I've ever purchased Herbe de Provence, but I love Italian seasoning. I, I love the, the seasoning mixtures. So I'm going to try that. Now, for, for you in, in your own household, as you talk about all these amazing, rich kinds of, of foods, how do you just figure out what you're going to have for dinner? <laughs> You know, um, th- that's one of the things about the book that we really, it was, it was interesting because we, when we were going through the Betty Crocker cookbook, we would, you know, we stocked up our pantry and then we would try to figure out like what else could we do with the other ingredients that we had left over. And so that oftentimes decided like what was going to come next. You know, like a lot of people who read our blog, they'll say like, wow, this week you had a lot of cilantro in your fridge, you know, because all the recipes had cilantro in them, you know, because we're just two normal people with like a normal kitchen and pantry. Um, so oftentimes it kind of comes down to, like, what it is we have. But I also know, too, that, like, you know, Dan works in Soho, so he, says he actually has to go through Chinatown on the way home. And sometimes he comes home and he just, you know, has to have Korean barbecues, <laughs> you know. So uh, he, we're lucky like that, that, you know, we get to live in a city that has, you know, so much inspiration just all around it. This is true. But I'm interested that you said you are normal people. So is either one of you a trained chef? You know, and we're not trained chefs. Um, I've taken some classes when I was in college, but really what it is is that we've both been vegan for, well, I've been vegan for 24 years next month. So, you know, we kind of, we went vegan where people, like, you had to learn how to cook for yourself in order to be vegan. That was just the way it was. There wasn't vegan restaurants or vegan bakeries. You know, unfortunately, things like Sticky Fingers weren't around yet. Um, so, yeah, we, we both sort of, like, had to learn the hard way. Like, if we wanted to stay vegan and, like, really enjoy our lives, we had to learn how to, like, make these dishes and, like, figure out how to do that all on our own. And, you know, it's, um, it's funny because we often meet a lot of other people who have been vegan as long as we have. And, you know, they tell me that they're still living off, like, baked potatoes and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I have to admit, I I admit, I, I, I admire their resolve because honestly, like if we hadn't learned how to cook, I mean, being vegan would be a, it'd be a tough row. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to like, you know, spend your whole life eating food you can't enjoy. 
Well, that's so fascinating because I've been vegan a really long time, but I'm not creative like you are in the kitchen. I can follow recipes and I can create a very nice meal for my husband and myself or for company. But to create things, now you have come up with some recipes for things that I didn't know were possible. Omelets, for instance. How do you make a vegan omelet? You know, with our vegan omelet, I mean, it does have a tofu base to it, but a lot of what we've used in it, you know, we've used the Indian black salt to sort of recreate that sort of sulfury, eggy flavor. We use nutritional yeast, you know, to get that little bit of substance and like some cornstarch. But we also use some tahini in there, which also kind of gives it a little bit of a nutty sauce, a nutty flavor to the the omelet when you actually like puree it all up, you know, um, which I find actually complements, like, both texture-wise and flavor-wise, like that whole, like, recreating the egg for the, the omelet. Um, but basically, you toss a lot of that in all in the food processor, and you kind of make it sort of like a pancake. You know, you kind of smooth it out on a, a hot frying pan. And, you know, the t- I find the hardest part about that recipe is actually getting it out of the skillet, you know, and, like, keeping it folded with all the ingredients inside, which... I mean, from what I understand watching online videos, that's the hardest part of any omelet, whether you're using eggs or non-eggs or whatever. So, Well, that's what I recall from decades ago. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's talk a little bit about dessert, everybody's favorite topic. Now, I know there are some things that just cannot be vegan. A meringue, an angel food cake, maybe. But just about everything can be. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like in our book, we have actually two souffles, which, you know, seems like sort of the, I don't know, like the Moby Dick of of veganism, you know, it's like that white whale we can never catch. Because souffles, I mean, normal, you know, everyday regular souffles, they have, they have like five or six eggs in them. Um, But yeah, we figured out one, in fact, the pumpkin pie souffle in our book, I think, is, is probably one of my favorite recipes, you know, but I have to admit, it took me a good month to figure out how to make something that tasted good and lifted and had that right texture. Um, yeah, I, I won't lie. There was a lot of tears involved in mastering supplies. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I also find, too, that, like, you know, we have in the, re- in the book uh, a recipe for marshmallow filling, and we found that if you use that, you can actually sort of recreate a meringue on, like, a lemon pie. You know, you can't singe it, you know, and, like, brown it the way you would a meringue, but it is pretty close. You know, it's it's not the same, but it's it's close enough that it's you know it's worth it, especially if you think about like how you know you're saving the animals and all. So this is so true. So, what's your favorite dessert in your whole entire fabulous book, Betty Goes Vegan? Oh, it's so tough. Um, you know, I have to admit I'm a sucker for the donuts. You know, I mean it's not very not very fancy, but there's a donut in there called the Marie Antoinette, which is just a regular old yellow donut with powdered sugar on it. And it's just, when we ate those, because I used to be in figure skating when I was a kid, and my dad would buy me those Hostess little flour donuts, you know, the little powdered donuts. Um, it was, it, I ate one of those, and it just took me right back to being like 11 years old and like being at the ice skating rink all over again. It was it was. I have to admit that that might be my favorite, but it might be just because of the wonderful memories. So, the idea that you would make a donut from scratch—it it, just—I'm—I'm I'm in awe. <laughs> so you you do have the foodie gene, no question there. 
I'm just going to say thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. You're well, thank you. And thanks for all the, that you're doing for the world. So the website is meettheshannons.com. The, the book, the tome, the magnum opus is Betty Goes Vegan. And this is a comprehensive guide to creating delicious vegan meals for today's family, whether you're vegan or not. Give us a kitchen tip to go out with. Oh, gosh, a kitchen tip. Um, right now, I'm standing in the kitchen, I'm looking around. I would have to say always make sure you have nutritionally <laughs> always. It's, I, it's my favorite. I totally agree with you. And for people who aren't familiar, nutritional yeast flakes, I mean, in the old days, I used to put stuff called brewer's yeast, which is related but tastes really nasty, in, in tomato juice and stir it up and gag it down. But this is delicious, cheesy, usually fortified with B12, which is a nutrient that vegans need to get somewhere. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite, too. I was once on TV, and they said, bring the five most important items in the vegan kitchen. And I thought, well, you're getting the five most important in my vegan kitchen. <laughs> and what I brought were greens, lemons, um, non-dairy milk, nutritional yeast, and dark chocolate, all the food groups. I would agree with all of those. That, that actually sounds like a wonderful kitchen. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, now I'm really honored because a real food person has said that I picked a good five. Hooray, hooray. <laughs> thank you so much, Annie Shannon. Give our best to Dan. The website is meettheshannons.com. The book is Betty Goes Vegan. And you know, the truth is, if you only want one vegan cookbook, this will do. And if you would like to give a book, a cookbook as a gift to somebody who just enjoys food and might be interested in being vegan, and even if they're not interested in being vegan, this is a brilliant, fabulous cookbook. So thank you so, so very much for writing it and for being on the show today. We also want to thank David Bensequin of his wonderful company, Plant-Based Solutions, and the inimitable Rory Friedman. So New Yorkers, remember, turn out tonight, the Warren Street Barnes & Noble, 6 o'clock, to hear Rory speak about her wonderful book, Beg, A Radical New Way of Regarding Animals. So see, there are books for you guys to buy or order this week. Betty Goes Vegan and Beg. That way you can make yourself some donuts and read about your dog and <laughs> relating to animals. Next week, speaking of dogs and animals, our guest is Dr. Armighty May, the vegan veterinarian. So if you have questions that you want to send in in advance, I'm on Twitter, Victoria underscore Moran, or call us and we can talk with the, the good veterinarian about how to take care of our animal companions. Thanks so much to guests. Thanks to listeners. And hey, everybody out there, God bless you and eat your veggies. All the best till next time. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Who are we? Who is God? And what is our life's purpose? Author and minister Ogan Holder found his answers the hard way. Through inner turmoil and doubt, with candor and humor, he shares why it's good to doubt, even if you're a minister, in Rants to Revelations, new from Unity Books. Simply put, to doubt myself is to doubt God. If I embrace God as the very operating principles of the universe the connecting space between us, the fabric of existence, and that I am the physical embodiment of all that, then how could there be room for doubt in myself? My salvation lies in the following premise. Doubt is the beginning of faith. Read more from Rants to Revelations and order your copy today. Visit RantsToRevs.com. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.